Hey, good morning and welcome to Breakthrough Walls. I am Ken Walls and I'm your host and I'm very grateful to be here today. I have got a rock star guest on today. The one, the only Dr. Amy Novotny will be joining us. So stay with us and make sure that you share this out. Sharing is caring. Share this to your Facebook page. We'll see you in a minute. And here we are. We are back. Let me bring the inimitable Dr. Amy Novotny on. Amy, how are you? Good morning, Ken. I'm doing really well. Excited well, to be here. Am I allowed to call you Amy or is it yes. Dr. Novotny? <laughs> I, think we're, I think we're beyond the doctor part. We're, <laughs> we're first name. We're first. I have your cell phone number, so. You do. <laughs> that may have been a mistake. I don't know. You have no idea how many people regret that move. So, so, so Amy, um, you know, I created this show. It's been about three and a half years ago. I have interviewed over 400 celebrities and, and entrepreneurs and rock stars. And, um, and, you know, I, I started this show to help people get unstuck. In fact, I was going to call it getting unstuck. And my oh. wife's like, no, why use your last name? But anyway, so, so I, it's worked out, but, um, you know, I like to hear other people's stories of how they've overcome troubles in life mm -hmm. and all of that. I think it helps other people. So yeah. start with, how about we start with where you were born and mm -hmm. raised? So I was born in Iowa, but when I was four years old, I moved to Arizona with my mom and one of my brothers after my parents divorced and grew up actually in Arizona and Mesa, Arizona and some of the surrounding cities bounced around the whole Phoenix area. Wow. That's where you went to school, high school and everything? Yep. Elementary all the way to high school and then lived at home while I went to college, ASU, and then Finally left when I was at ASU, went to go study abroad in France, and then came back and then left for graduate school in Delaware. <coughs> Hold on. Excuse me. Sorry for that. Um, you were, you went to France? I did. I lived in France for a semester and then backpacked Europe for a couple months. You know, my wife did too. I college. didn't know that. Oh, we did. need to talk. <laughs> she speaks fluent French, in fact. Wow. Nous pouvons parler français. I, I have no, she might be on here. I don't know, but yeah. Um, yeah, I have no idea what you just said, but I, I, I love that, that she can do that. Cause I've, I had a, um, I had a client in Canada in Montreal and all he speaks is French. His English is horrible. And I couldn't understand it. I said, hold on a minute. And I was at my office and I three-way called my wife in. I said, I need your help. I cannot understand this guy. And she got on and, and she closed the deal <laughs> in French. 
in French. Really? There she is. There she is. She said, I'm not fluent anymore. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, I've heard her. So so you um you came back, you you got your undergrad um in at ASU, right? Yep. Undergrad. Is that when when you went to France was during your undergrad studies? Yeah. So what I was doing, I, I was studying biology, but then I realized I wanted to study abroad and I could get a complete French major if I went and studied in France for a semester because I had gotten so many AP credits from high school that transferred into college. So I went and studied in France for a semester, which also got me a Spanish minor. And then I finished up with um, a math minor as well. So, yes. Wow. <laughs> mm -hmm. I was I was motivated. I guess. Well, and we all see the DR in front of your name. So mm -hmm. um, th that's not where it stopped. <laughs> right? <laughs> no, unfortunately. So, so you went to and you get, did all this with mm -hmm. ASU in Arizona. Right. Um, mm -hmm. And what happened next? So then I... I got into ecology and research. I was working at a tennis center at the time, but then also doing ecological research. I went through the whole process of publishing an ecological journal paper in Ocheologia. Um, and then I decided I didn't really like the research route in terms of all the nepotism and the just a lot of politics within that world. And yeah. I really liked people. I didn't like doing all the lab work. I loved it out, being outside doing the research stuff outdoors, but I didn't like sitting in a lab. I was with my research project. I was crushing up plant tissue chemistry to put it through a, a spectrometer to analyze the carbon, nitrogen, phosphorus content. So I was doing all these things in the lab for eight hours a day to get the information that I needed to publish this paper. I was like, I need more people. I love people. I love humans. I studied the several languages. I love culture. And so I then looked at pharmacy school and I worked as a pharmacy tech for a couple months, realized that was definitely not where I wanted to go. People are just given <laughs> pills and they weren't learning how to get off of them. Right. So then I switched to physical therapy and I started as a tech and a Spanish interpreter at a hand clinic in Arizona and started helping people there. And I said, Ooh, I like this. I got to work with hand replants, finger replants, wounds, all these different things that kind of blew my mind. Cause I used to be a person who didn't like blood at all or seeing it. Wow. And so then I went to physical therapy school and that's what I got my doctorate in. And of course now I don't do anything similar to physical therapy. It's completely different, but it was still a great transition to what I do now. So, Oh my gosh. Yeah. I can't handle that kind of lab work either. I'm totally kidding. I've never been in a lab like that. So nor would I ever want to be um, yeah. it, like, I, I, I can't even imagine that. So you, you um, ended up getting your doctorate in physical therapy and you don't even do that anymore. Right. So it gives me the basis of what I do, but yeah. it gives me the anatomy and the physiology and the background but now I work with people on calming their nervous system down to alleviate pain. So it's still in the medical physical movement world, but it's not physical therapy. It's completely different. And I'm grateful for my journey. I am grateful for the people who taught me and what I learned, but there is a lot that I've shifted. And now I do exactly the opposite of what I used to teach people. 
So. Oh my gosh. Well, I can tell you, I can tell everybody from personal experience with you, you are gifted, very, very gifted at helping people calm their nervous system down. <laughs> I speak from experience. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, I mean, everybody knows I just went through COVID and you, you um, played a huge role in, in helping helping us navigate some of that so thank you for that well you're welcome but but the um so so you you got your doctorate in physical therapy how long did now did you like get a job or start your own yeah so i actually i started working in someone else's clinic i worked there for about five years and that's kind of when i started doing other things i once i got the job and said, okay, now I'm settled. I have the house. Now I'm going to explore running and ultra running and photography and all these other things. But then about five years into it, I, I was recruited to become a director at a different clinic. And I started learning about asymmetries in our body and how we breathe differently. And that's when I started shifting into, okay, there is something out there that's more than what we're taught in physical therapy school. I need to start exploring more because I want to help people that much more. Wow. And that's when I started diverging into developing what I do now. Wow. Yeah. So you, um, you, so you, you did, you just said, I, I can't, I can't do physical therapy. Um, as we know it today. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Does that, does that kind of like, does that, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Does that make your doctorate kind of worthless? <laughs> um, so, how do I answer sorry. that without discrediting myself? <laughs> I'm, I don't Let mean me. it in a bad way, but does it make it kind of like null and void or does it, is it still? Let me say, I put in those really long hours and sacrifice myself. So it is definitely valid, but I do have to say, it, what I do and teach goes against a lot of that because I see how much yeah. our nervous system drives things and what we're taught as principles yeah. for fitness, health, core stability. I say, uh-uh. It might work in a very short period of time, but most of us are in this chronic problem where we're so ramped up. And this is truly what I do. And this is why I can run 50 miles pain-free or marathons pain-free because I take myself out of that fight or flight mode. So I go against a lot of what is taught in physical therapy. Wow. And I have to say, it really works. Like all those things that I used to teach people, let's roll, let's stretch, let's uh, do scraping, foam rolling, all these things I used to say, because I'm a marathon runner, ultra marathon runner, triathlete. Oh, oh, yeah. Hang, 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 don't... Let me interrupt you real fast. <laughs> Yeah. You blew past that like you, you just passed mile 10. Um, let's talk about what you just said. You just said, that's why I can run 50 miles with no, 50, five zero, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. With no pain. Yes, I've done it several times. <laughs> okay. So, Mrs. Goggins. Um <laughs> I actually ran a race with him one time. No, I didn't. did not. Oh yeah, yeah. It's called Zane Gray. It's in. It's. it's I ran the Boston Marathon, and then six days later, I ran this. Um, it's a really hard ultra marathon in Arizona in the Payson Mountains, and um, he was actually running that race. I was a lot slower. 
a lot slower. <laughs> um, but at least we were there and existed at the same place, same time. <laughs> Is that a hundred miles? That one was only 50 and it was in the muggy own rim. <laughs> you said only. Only 50. Only. Okay. Have you run a hundred mile? Twice. Yes. Yes. Pain free. <laughs> Pretty close. The first one, definitely not because this was before I learned this stuff. Um, wow. The second one. Okay. You ready? Just going to sit tight here. I'll tell you what I did. Um, so I was testing this technique and I decided to run a fast marathon to requalify for Boston. Then six days later, I ran a hundred mile. Well, it turned out to be a hundred, two hundred, three miles race in the mountains. Uh, and then four weeks after that, I did a hundred K. Then a week after that, I did another marathon. And then a week after that, I did a 50 miler, all working to get pain free and to be able to do each race going into the race pain free. Now the hundred miler that I did in the mountains pretty much was pain free, but I was tired and I was just, I was used. So there were times when I was running and I just like, okay, I just need to sit or stand a second or hug a cactus a second to just relax. Uh, um, and I took two 15 minutes breaks while I closed my eyeballs. So um, it's, it, it's a matter of pain would creep up and then I would do this technique to calm myself down and then the pain would go away. So, oh God. yeah, did you did you teach David Goggins that method? Because he no. needs to know. I know. I would love to meet him, but I haven't. Had always like, I, I ran on broken bones for 60 miles in my <laughs> feet and I wrapped them with duct tape. And I'm like, dude, what? Who does that? <laughs> yes, I know. I would lo <laughs> love to teach him this, but I taught I've taught other people this and it was it was amazing. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. OK, so. Is that, is that something you can teach anyone? Yes. Well, and I do this with people in Zoom literally all over the world. Oh, my yeah. God. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Well, that pretty much wraps it up. I'm just <laughs> kidding. That's unbelievable. Yeah. That is absolutely amazing. And it has nothing to do with what you studied, really. No, not at all. But at least the studying of physical therapy, the anatomy, all that stuff, that provided me the basis to really analyze people and to see things in people that I couldn't see before. Wow. So do you recommend a, like, a, um, with, with what you do, what you teach, I know that you're, you're pretty big on, um, what we put into our bodies. Yes. Um, and so do you recommend donuts? <laughs> Not unless they're made out of, let's see, almond flour, no sugar, maybe applesauce. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> um, so talk a little bit about um, where where you see. I, I, how do I say? Because you talk. Well, when you and I've talked on the phone, right. you talk yeah. a lot about inflammation in the body. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, obviously you've studied the heck out of this mm -hmm. and, and um, talk a little bit about what you see some of the most common mistakes that people are making when it comes to their diet. I think well, the main thing is people eat based on convenience. That's the biggest thing is they really don't take the time to look at the ingredients on labels and they're eating out of a box, a can, a package. 
that if people just shifted out of that and ate more things from the ground, and I, I do eat plant-based and I realize that everyone's genetics is different and some people need to have some kind of animal product. My genetics dictate that I don't. But if we go to things that are not processed and pushed together and combined and we go back to whatever comes from the ground or eats the ground or whatever it is, it really shifts your health. And of course, I am a big proponent of organic and trying to get rid of chemicals. I know a lot of people in my world don't believe that and believe they're fine. But as soon as people get off chemicals and get into organic stuff and then they go back to eating something with chemicals, they feel the difference. Often wow. they don't realize it though in the process. So I'm very careful about as much organic as I can. I just, I have felt a difference and I encourage other people to try it too. Do you have like different levels that people can work with you um, on? So typically it's typically when I work with someone, it's we go over everything. So mm -hmm. when I work with someone, it's an hour and a half for the first session. And because we're going over everything, what what's your diet like? What's your sleep like? What's your a movement like? What is your medical history? What's your stress history? All of those things. Yeah. So we're, it's really comprehensive. And then I'm actually going to have you physically move because I want to see what is your fight or flight nervous system doing while you bend over, while you reach, while you squat, while you walk. I want to see how wound up are you? How much in high alert are you? And so, okay, how do we address that and address all of the things that are contributing to that? Wow. Yeah. So you, 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 you go in depth with everyone. Very in depth. Yeah. especially the emotional stress component. Now I'm not a psychologist, nor am I a psychiatrist. And so when people need strategies for helping them mentally or emotionally cope with something, I will refer out. I have many resources in that realm because I work closely with a lot of psychologists and psychiatrists to provide the, the release of the body from the mental emotional trauma of their past or current present. And so we work closely together, but I don't, I don't do the mental emotional part in that sense. Right. Right. Why? And you may have said this, I'm still experiencing COVID brain fog, I think. Um, but you know, um, I mean, you went through all this, this physical therapy training, mm -hmm. um, getting a doctorate in that can't, I mean, it's, they're not handing those out on the street corner. I mean, it takes a lot right. of work and time, right? Right. And, and so um, for you, and you, again, you may have covered this, but I want to kind of mm -hmm. reiterate why this big shift from I'm going to do, I'm going to do physical yeah. therapy um, into this, like it's, it's yeah. in a totally different direction. Yes. And it, it comes down to, I was training to qualify for the Boston Marathon. I was okay. running on a treadmill, running eight miles, three times a week on a treadmill, running at a seven minute mile pace. And I had started learning and taking courses about asymmetries in the body and the diaphragm and that. And so I started experimenting with my own breathing. How, if I breathe a certain way, this happened. If I breathe a certain way, this happened. Also started playing with my rib cage, different things. And, and this truly happened. At one point when I was experimenting, 
I felt this relief throughout my whole entire body and all the tightness went away. I got and off this the- this is on the treadmill. Mm -hmm. Everything just became easy. You imagine like the coyote and the roadrunner, you know, the cartoon and the, the roadrunner's running and his legs are moving and the body is just like, hey, I'm in chill mode. That's exactly how I felt. Like, wow, all of a sudden my legs were turning over and I didn't feel a strain. It just felt easy. And when I did that, I got off the treadmill and like all the pain went away. I didn't have to stretch. I didn't have to foam roll. I didn't have to scrape with a tool, anything like that. All those things that I used to teach people. It's like, oh, I wasn't tight. It was as if I just didn't run eight miles. And I realized at that point I was either stumbling onto something or I was late to the game and I'm clueless and I'm bad physical therapist. And then I realized, okay, I was stumbling on something. And so it took a little bit of time and I started playing with it. I was experimenting on myself because I wasn't going to start experimenting on other people yet until I could figure out what just happened to myself. Right. And I realized eventually, and I did a lot of studying, I was calming down my nervous system and I was doing it based on changing my rib cage position. And by changing, because I changed the rib cage position, I was changing the way I breathe to really access the diaphragm to calm me down. And that's when I that's when I shifted. And let me tell you, I, I wasn't really sure what I was doing at the time. And I started experimenting on some patients. It was very frustrating. At times, I said, okay, am I doing this correctly? And some people would get better immensely. Someone would come in, they couldn't even stand up straight and they had back pain. And I would do this with them. All of a sudden they were walking, squatting, lifting their legs up, dancing. It's like, okay, that person shifted quickly. And then I would have other times where I couldn't get them to shift and to transform and to relieve the pain as quickly. And so I was frustrated. So I, I started experimenting, playing with it. I continued to do this for a couple of years until I finally started getting a technique down and realized that there are certain patterns in people. And if I do things too fast and, or if I don't teach certain aspects of how to change the body, the person wouldn't get the relief. And it just, it started, spiraling into developing this technique. And then I became known for it. Doctors would send me people who had the worst, craziest scenarios. Some doctors would say they wouldn't send me people because they didn't want me to do breathing or balloons or straw. And I mean, there were so many nights I went home crying. So okay. many nights. <laughs> I got to give you a plug for this yeah, real fast because, sure. um, and, and, and then I want to hear the rest of this. I think that's what happened. I interrupted you the last time. So I want you to continue, but I got to say this. I have this, I don't even know what you call this little oxygen reader thing. Um, but I, so you taught me this straw breathing technique. Now yeah. I don't use the straw anymore. I just, you know, whatever, like I pretend there's a straw there uh -huh. and, and it shoots my oxygen levels, skyrockets them. This yeah. breathing technique you taught me. It's yes. amazing. Yes. That's, okay. that's it. Just wanted to plug that. It's amazing. It's, people don't know. Yeah. People don't know that stuff. And, and literally, that's I had COVID back in June, and my oxygen dropped down to 84 one night. And so I was I literally sat up. Like, okay, I'm going to do the thing breathing that I've been teaching everyone else to do. And I'm going to practice. And sure enough, popped back up to 97. And I'm like, okay, I guess I'm staying up all night long. And that's purely what I did. Um, wow. But this is, this is what I did. And so 
but there were doctors. I had a lot of resistance for a couple of years. I mean, doctors would say, if you teach anything related to breathing, I will not send people to you. You can't wow. do it. And even my boss got upset with me at the time because it was so radical and it, it was rebellious in the sense of <laughs> physical therapy because it was different. And so that's part of, it was frustrating. I, I knew I was onto something. I didn't really have a full grasp of it, but I had to experiment on people. And I, of course I always ask permission. Sure. I wanted to make sure, are you willing and able? And then all of a sudden I started getting known for it because I'd get people better faster and they would go back and tell their doctors. And then, so I had one neurologist in Arizona who worked at the Barrow Neurological Institute, a high, high ranking gentleman. He started sending me people because I had gotten someone better with nerve injury faster, months faster than he had ever seen. And so then that just led breathing, to just breathing, breathing and repositioning the body. So it's a combination of two because you have to re, you have to change the way you hold yourself because that affects your breathing mechanism. So it's not just breathing alone, it's how you change and hold your rib cage. So dropping your rib cage down, which I was talking to you about earlier, yep. dropping that rib cage down to allow you to breathe differently. And that's truly what calmed the nervous system down. And it eventually led to me getting hired to travel around the world and going to the Arctic, Antarctica and all this stuff. And when I came back, I then started my own business. Just kind of skipped over all that, but yes. The Arctic and the Antarctic. You've been <laughs> yes. like, you were hired to go there to teach Eskimos how to breathe. <laughs> exactly. I was hired by a photographer to, to get him out of a rotator cuff surgery, acute fall and a tear and a knee replacement surgery. And so he was traveling to those places. And so I quit my job, gave up my house, gave up my life for six months to travel around the world. What? Coach him on this process. Yeah, it's a crazy story. Most people are like, what did you do? Um, you, gave, yeah. you sold your house and you quit your job. And, and so, yes. So I became known for this. So people would fly in from the other place in the country to come see me in person. This is pre-COVID. And so this photographer had chronic knee pain for decades, 34 years, older gentleman. And so he came to see me and he spent a week there in Arizona and I worked with him and then his pain went away and he couldn't believe it. So he went away for a couple months, then came back. He wanted the rest of his pain to go away. And so he did, he got all the pain to go away. He followed my instructions and then he went back home. He was so excited. He was able to fly for the first time and sit for the first time in 30 years pain-free. He used to have to stop and get out of his car every 15 minutes. He had a driver and he had to stop him every 15 minutes to get out of his car. But now he could actually sit for four hours pain-free. Went home, he went swimming in his pool. He slipped on some water, busted up his shoulders, had an MRI. The MRI said he had a rotator cuff tear, biceps tear. And so his doctors were saying he had to have surgery and he couldn't lift his arm above his waist level. And so he came back to see me about a month later. And in two days, his arm was completely overhead. And he said, I wanna hire you. I said, and he said, I'm going all over the world. I want to hire you because I don't want to miss my trips and my workshops that I'm teaching. And I said, okay, I am, I love photography and I, and I wanted to see what a life of a photographer was like. And I said, sure. So I just rented out my house. I quit my job, gave up on a, you know, I was just starting a relationship. I said, bye. 
and I took off and I moved to Florida and I, that was our kind of home base and then went to Arctic, Norway, Arctic, Finland, Scotland, England to photograph puffins and other birds. And then went to other places. I also had a trip to Greenland and Iceland in the middle there. And then eventually ended up in Antarctica to photograph the emperor penguins. And when we were done with that, I said, I'm going back home. I'm going to start my own business and I need to get this information out there. I really need to get it out there because I mean, it was, it was amazing, truly amazing experience going to Antarctica on a Russian icebreaker, helicoptering to sea ice, crossing sea ice to get to the emperor penguin colony. And it ended up with amazing photography and I did an art show last year with it. So, but I realized this is what I need to do and teach people. I need to help people get this information out there because this guy, he could have had two huge major surgeries. I mean, major, major surgeries that would have stopped his life for months, if not a year. And wow. he didn't have to have them. He didn't because we calmed down his nervous system and release that fight or flight tension that puts us in a guarded motion. And I've done this with a lot of people. And you know, Kyle Wilson and, he talks about it all the time in his inner circle and helping people in that. So it's not woo-woo. It's yeah, really no. not. I, I think, you know, I mean, and, and Tom Ginn says it here, being skeptical is okay. It's a sign of intelligence. Western yeah. medicine as a whole is misanthropic and pessimistic. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think that, when we're not familiar with something, it, we autom- <clears throat> I think most people automatically discount it yeah. or just can't see it because of, of um, <clears throat> cognitive dissonance, right? It's mm-hmm. the, the Indians not being able to see the ships off the, the shore that were like right there and they didn't see them. Mm-hmm. So I think um, I, I love what you're saying. I do. And I have a question for you because... Joachim, who lives in hell in Norway, literally, Ooh. it's called hell. I've actually been there. You've been to hell in Norway? Yes, that was part of my journey when I was in Arctic Norway and traveling around Norway. <laughs> wow. Well, you should have stopped. <laughs> I know. Sorry, Joachim. With Joachim, because he says it affects his migraine headache. And I know a lot of people that get migraines. Yeah. Um, is this something that can help? people with migraines. Yes, I have helped people with migraines because a lot of time their tension is so strong. Even their skull muscles are really tight and you can work on shifting that. So it's a matter of sensing your body release first, then you can start targeting other areas. So, you know, when you've, someone has said to you, oh, your shoulders are high and you're like, well, I've tried, I can't relax them down. That's as far as they go. And sometimes people will try to pull their shoulders back really far and and just use their back muscles instead. It's you can't sense the release. You can't sense that fight or flight tone in your muscles that causes them to stay that way. And same thing with the head. And then there's likely a jaw issue that's related to it and the neck issue walking. There's different things that we would need to address to help with that. Wow. Yeah. And this is all through a variety of breathing techniques. It's it's a specific type that I teach, but it also pairs with we have to change your body position first. Because if your rib cage determines where your diaphragm is positioned and how it works, we have to fix where your rib cage is positioned. 
And so there's a process to it. It's hard to teach and say, okay, boom, you got it in two seconds. It, right. There really is a process to it. And that's why when I work with people, it's for an hour at a time or an hour and a half at a time. It takes some time because I have to teach you how to sense and feel things first. Wow. But it, it does shift. I mean, I can't tell you, I have so many different stories of all the different types of conditions and situations that helps with people. That is powerful. And, and, you know, you brought up Kyle Wilson. Yeah. For those that don't know Kyle, he was Jim Rohn's business partner for 18 years. Um, he has an incredible mastermind. Amy yeah. is part of that mastermind group. And I know that you always, um, you, you kind of lead in the beginnings of these with the meditation and, and breathing and, um, it's pretty incredible. So, um, and that, and we met through Kyle. Yes, we did. Yeah. Yeah. So you were so, on, you were, you joined his mastermind at one point yeah, and in yeah. terms of presenting. And so that's, yeah. I heard you speak and yeah. I, I liked what you had to say. Well, thank you. <laughs> I like what you have to say. So, so let me ask you this. Um, you know, this, this is, um, this, so this shows about breaking through, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. And where, like, what do you think keeps people from having, and, and, and I am going to say um, that money is incredibly important. It's not yeah. everything, mm -hmm. um, but as Zig Ziglar used to say, it does rank right up there with oxygen, um, you know, and, and people get into a crappy money mindset or they get into they get stuck in a variety mm -hmm. of different areas in life yeah. what do you think keeps people stuck keeps people from going you know i'm going to call that amy and 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 see what she that doctor amy um unless you know her really well <laughs> i'm kidding um but they they reach out or, you know they want to reach out they don't reach out they want to work out they want a different a different body a different life they want but they they don't go for it they don't mm -hmm. take the action that's necessary to get there what what do you think keeps people stuck like that fear fear yeah. of learning something that's going to destabilize what they think is stability we often don't take action until we're so miserable that we're ready to do anything. And that really, unfortunately, is the case. Like, for instance, when before I left for that worldwide trip, I wasn't happy in my life. I felt stuck. I was getting suppressed. I wasn't able to do what I wanted to do. But and I was fearful of change. Yeah. truly was fearful of change. I didn't want to give up my life on my bed. I, you know, just started a relationship with a guy. I just wasn't wasn't ready but finally something dangled in front of me that was exciting and i truly had to do some mental emotional work and say you know what i'm only living once i'm going to give this a chance i can always go back and recreate the life that i'm currently in but i'm not going to get this chance again and a lot of people don't aren't ready to change the routine to try something new to get uncomfortable and we have to work through that fear. Another thing that I think that gets us stuck maybe more on an emotional level is forgiveness. We often don't 
know how to forgive, whether it's ourselves or someone else to help us become unstuck. And we're, again, we're afraid to forgive because then we have to let go of the story that we've created in our mind that prevents us from moving forward. Is that something that you help people at least identify that they're stuck in a story? Mm -hmm. I do. And I do help them work on let's not perseverate on a story that you're creating in your mind. And because a lot of people associate their pain with mental anguish or stress. And I haven't met a single person who's actually made up their pain. And I tell them there is a physical reason for your pain. In addition to the stresses you're feeling because your stresses that you're feeling cause a physical change in your muscles. There is a physical ramification of it. We'll get a lot of people that are referred to me as malingering and creating pain and say, nope, they're not malingering. I can tell you exactly where their pain is. I can, I can see it. There is a physical thing. I can touch it. And so once I tell people and work on people that your pain is a signal from your body to your brain, that you're out of position, we can shift. And so people stop creating a story that changes the brain chemistry and causes them to perseverate on that story. So you're talking some, you're talking some placebo stuff. Yes, but there is a change. So let me give you an example. So let's say we're sitting here. If you look at, lift up a bucket of water, your biceps muscle in your upper arm is going to contract. You're going to see it. You physically said, okay, I'm going to lift it up. You can feel that move. You put the bucket of water down, it, the bicep muscle goes off. Let's say you're holding that bucket of water and all of a sudden you hear a bang and it sounds like a gunshot. You jump. Okay. If I put that bucket of water down, I'm not going to fully turn off that bicep muscle and the rest of my body is going to have tension. That's called sympathetic tone. I responded to a loud noise. I felt fear. So my body put me in high alert. So I have muscles that contract all over. Now, if I go look out that window and I say, Oh, That's just a car backfiring. I'm fine. I've now cleared myself mentally, emotionally, and intellectually. But if I don't pause and now clear my body and release that sympathetic tone, and I really have to be conscious about it, my nervous system is going to shift into protection. And now my body's going to be in that state of tension all over my body. That's an extreme version of a stressor. But that happens with all of our stresses of our daily life. So when someone comes to me and says, I have neck pain, I know that some point in their life, they've had enough stressors that have caused that sympathetic tone in their muscles that have pulled bones and joints out of position, causing tissues to pinch together. Yep. So when I say that we're going to work on changing your body position and releasing, it's not really placebo in the sense that we're just creating your mind and just going to change your mind. Right we have to get you to sense things that you didn't know you could sense that your brain numbed to you because it can only receive so much input in your daily life. Yeah. I, so that's kinda... I totally. I, so, you know, you and I briefly talked about Dr. Joe Dispenza, who yeah. is one of my heroes. Yeah. Um, and I, I think that, I mean, he talks about that the, the average human being has 60 to 70,000 thoughts a day. Right. Right. And, and he said that, you know, it's now scientifically proven that 
um, 90% or nine, maybe 95, I forget the number, um, are the, the, of those thoughts we had the day before. So they're recurring. The, the thoughts, the, the, all these thoughts are recurring and that we're telling ourselves these stories that, that, are that that 50 plus percent of these stories are are made up we're making them up as we go yes. and i've yes. talked about this on live streams before i've said look you know you, you you stub your toe on the dresser in the morning later at work you're telling your co-workers how you you broke your toe this morning when you didn't in fact break your toe but you're your mind just embellishes this right yes do you yes. see that do you see that in the people you work with all the time, so many of us, and 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 it's nothing bad against them. I, I cherish no. every person. Yeah. So many of us, we our physical state is based on an image or a vision that we've created, and something that might happen. Yeah. And it and just becoming aware of that in our conversations with other people. When I ask someone how they're doing, and they start talking about how they're doing, and oh my gosh, they're worried that. The AC isn't, isn't working, but someone upstairs is fixing it, but they might fall through the roof. And what is that going to do to the floor? I'm like, oh my gosh, you're <laughs> creating this scenario. You have put yourself into fight or flight mode based on a, a, a creep. What if? A what right. if? <laughs> this brain, this amazing human brain that we have, you're creating neurochemistry in your brain that's now affecting your physical muscles. Now you feel tense and you think that you can't bend over and touch your toes or your hamstrings are tight or because you are in, you're not moving, but it's because you've created this scenario. And that's just one little story. Can you imagine all the other interactions you have in your daily life or for a lifetime. I know. And they add up. Right. And so when someone tells me, especially in their sixties or seventies, they say they have pain and because of arthritis. I say, no, <laughs> I'm going to challenge you on that. Let's take away all those stressors that have layered on top of each other for your whole entire life that's caused a physical change in your body. Yeah. Let's take away. And now let's let you teach you how to let go, relax, forgive, all those things. Yep. And now watch that pain go away. Watch you shift. Watch you learn how to not create stories that determine your present existence. Yep. Let's just exist in the present instead and say, oh, what do we have here? Let's do that instead. I absolutely, I, I, I love this. And um, look, Joaquin says, hmm, if you can get me to touch my toes, you are a wizard. <laughs> That's funny. That's cute. So, but, you know, this is, this is probably one of my favorite, if not my favorite topic is because it's all related to, to, um, I, I know how powerful the brain is, yet I don't know, mm -hmm. right? Like I, I haven't even scratched the surface, mm -hmm. and and I and I think that that's the case with all human beings, right? Right. right. We, you, you may have some that are like, you know, wow, look at that. They they have a sixty million dollar jet, and they're, but they still haven't even scratched the surface. You know, yeah. there's so much more. Yeah. So much more. It's, so what, what is the, um, so you, you say fear is the number one thing holding people back. 
I experienced something um, years ago. My wife and I opened up our first office. And um, long story short, I had a vehicle repossessed in front of all of my employees. And um, that sucked. That was a horrible, horrible day. I remember standing in that parking lot thinking, I understand why people take their lives now. Because I was humiliated. Like, I totally, like. And, and, you know, we look back over the last, I don't know, let's just go with year and a half or so. Um, there's been a lot of people, suicide rates skyrocketed. Um, a lot of people that, that still feel like they're hanging on by a thread. What do you say to those people that, that just feel like they've done everything and they don't know which way to turn? What do you say to them to help them get through that to the next moment? Yeah, and I I have worked with people who who are on those edges. And first I I listen to them. I have to listen to what they're what they're saying because they have to express, they have to get it out. And then from there we start we start looking at what are they truly feeling and do they feel pressure in their body that we can release first to allow them to start to process their thoughts differently? So if we can shift the physical body so it is calmer, that allows the body to, the brain to come down a notch so their emotional reactivity is less. Mm. Okay. Because if our body's set in a state of fight or flight, we're going to be emotionally reactive. And the problem is if we have all these physical sensations of I need to run, fight, flee, or die, you can't change the brain as much. You can right. do some stuff, but you're not going to truly f- get it freed up because your physical body is saying to your brain, you need help. You're on SOS mode. You want to die. There is, you have to change the physical body when you can shift someone so that they feel the sense of relief, then all of a sudden their brain chemistry starts to change, which then allows them to shift into, wait, do I really want this? Do, can I think of things differently? And then we can talk about things differently, but until their physical body comes down a notch, they can't really shift. And that's why people take medications. The medications help calm the body down enough to allow them to process and to think differently when they do the work with their psychologist, counselor, therapist, psychiatrist. Sure. So that's what I work with people. First, I have to hear them. I have to let them go through all this because that tells me what state are they in and also starts to give me cues. So I say, find someone, if you're on the edge, find someone who will truly listen not fake listen, but truly yep. listen and who can start to pull apart what you're saying to see where your crisis point is. So we can pull that down a notch and you want someone who can truly hear you and who can truly listen and is there with you. They're with you through that experience so that they can help you come down shift and help literally hold your hand. So your body can now feel safe enough 
that you can consider another possibility to your reality. Because until your body feels safe enough, you can't consider another reality and your only yep. reality is you want to die. But yeah. once we can get you another reality and just that slight opening, then, then the floodgates can open. We can say, okay, guess what? There is another reality that you can start to step into. Your brain's chemistry can now, now go into that. And there we go. You, you know, um, from my own personal experience of, of just doing a little bit of work with you, mm -hmm. um, I can say that you definitely have this amazing gift of, of being able to listen and listen with um, compassion. Like I, it's just who you are. And I, I, and, and I experienced that and I was like, wow, like, it's incredible because it is, you know, most people will listen with a, um, um, what's the, uh, the word, uh, the words just aren't coming to me today. Um, okay. I'm really not that dumb. Um, well maybe I am now, but, um, you know, most people have some sort of like, they have a motive behind listening. Like there's, mm -hmm. you know, they're getting ready to sell you something or they're yeah. getting ready, you know, or or whatever. And, and, um, that's not you yeah. at all. Yeah. So it, because one, maybe it's because I've never been a, a type of salesperson and I, I don't like it when people sell to me, but I love it when someone is real to me yeah. and we're human first. I have flaws just like anyone else. And I'm human. And a lot of, I've gone through a lot of bad. I've only shared the good stuff today. I've gone through a lot of bad. And um, I realize that it's humbled me. So I want to meet people where they're at their worst and know that I'll hold your hand and I will help you wherever I can. If I can't help you, I'll try to find someone who can help you where my skills don't, you know, yeah. resonate. Yeah. So. It's amazing. Absolutely amazing. So, Amy, let me ask you this. If anybody wanted to um, reach out or see more, learn more, what, where, where would you um, tell them to go? So I would say they can go to my website. It's powerinstitute.com. Say it again. Powerinstitute.com. P-A-B-R institute.com. So it stands for pain, awareness, breathing, relief. You can catch me on there. I'm on all the different social medias, but um, if you go there, you can learn more about what I do. Is also, that it right there. Yes. Oh, P A B R, no E. Oh, P. Sorry. P A B R institute.com. Yeah. Um, and so you can you can catch me there. You can also send me an email, Amy at Pabert Institute. Yep, that looks good. Dot com. And I love to connect with people just like I liked, you know, we've, we've chatted many times. I'd like to connect with people and see how I can help them and get them on their journey. I, I, I mean, I can speak from experience and, and give you a raving testimonial. I mean, you've, you've been, um, I mean, you, you know, for 40 some odd days, you literally just almost every day you were texting, Hey, how you doing? Mm -hmm. 
what's going on with your breathing what's you know i mean just you were constantly checking on me so um you're an amazing 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 human being and i i can see where you're you're making ripples in the universe so thank you i think it's amazing so thank you for coming on and sharing your wisdom and your light and your love and and everything it's amazing so um what would you what's one last um one last word of words of wisdom or advice that you would give to anyone listening right now sure and as first i just want to say thank you i really appreciate you allowing me to come on your show and sharing me to your audience i i've enjoyed our chats and chuckles and stuff and even the hard stuff. So thank you for that first and foremost. Um, The one thing I would tell people is throughout your day, check on yourself, check your belly button. This is going to sound really weird, but check your belly button. Are you sucking it up and in? If so, you're creating tension in your body. It's diverting energy away from from you into fight or flight mode. So check your belly, let your belly button out, let your ribs drop down, belly drop out, just allow yourself the moment to relax and catch yourself all day long. We suck it up and in all day long, puts us in more fight or flight mode, stresses us out, let go, be free. Do not worry about what your belly looks like. Let it out. <laughs> I'm, I'm sitting here thinking, mm, I'm not sure about that. But Do it. Come on, Ken. I challenge you. <laughs> I know. I'm just teasing. Thank you. You're amazing. Um, everybody go over to P-A-B-R. What's that stand for again? Pain, awareness, breathing, relief. Love that. Go to P-A-B-R-Institute.com. Check it out. Um, feel free to email Dr. Amy at? Amy, A-M-Y, at P-A-B-R-Institute.com. Amazing. Amy, thank you so much. Stay with me. Don't hang up on me. But I want to thank you for sharing so much with this with everyone today. It's been amazing. So everyone, go over. Make sure you follow Amy on everything on social media, on Instagram, Facebook, everywhere, and connect with her. If if you can't tell she can help you, give it a give it a shot. She'll help you. Thank you, Amy. Thanks. Bye-bye.